0: This podcast is sponsored by Loop, a beautiful knitting shop on Charming Camden Passage in Islington, London. Celebrating their 10th anniversary this year, they stock an incredible selection of yarns and haberdashery sourced from all over the world. They are proud to be the European flagship shop for both Quince & Co. and Brooklyn Tweed Yarns. This September, their fourth book, Loop's 10, will be published. It's a sumptuous knitting book, which includes patterns by Stephen West, Isolde Teague, Kirsten Kapoor, and many others, all using bespoke yarns from Madeline Tosh, Quince & Co., Shalimar, The Uncommon Thread, and many other great indie dyers. Loop is like a yarn fair in a beautiful shop and ships all over the world.
1: Hi and welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. I'm Sophie Scott and joined, as always, by the lovely Lydia Gluck. Hi Lydia! Hi Sophie! So in this POMCAST, we have our usual features of tell and tell, telling you guys and each other what we're knitting. News and reviews, what are we looking at today for reviews? We are going to look at the lovely new book from Loop. Yeah, Loop London, their 10th anniversary book. Mm -hmm. And sticking with the theme for interview, we have Susan Cropper, the owner and founder of Loop. All very exciting. Yeah owner owner and founder kind of go together normally I guess as a, as a theme <laughs> we'll also have um Ravelry Realness and uh top three at the end of the podcast so let's start now <laughs> so I can't believe we're doing another podcast already Sophie it's quite yeah it seems to come around a lot quickly I suppose if you're waiting each month for the end of the podcast I wish we could do them more frequently than a month but uh we're just cramming in so much fun Pretty much fun. I've got to cram in the fun so we can tell and fill like an hour of fun for you guys.
0: Yeah it's true I guess if we did it any more frequently we might we wouldn't have as many things to talk true. about. So what undiluted fun
1: stuff have you been up to? Well I went to a festival for one day. <laughs> Is that the same kind of thing you're cramming in all the fun into that like one 24-hour period? Yes exactly
0: yeah so um actually I just went the other day we drove down on the Saturday afternoon
1: and we left on the Sunday afternoon. We were there for almost exactly 24 hours. How to do it. Are you still feeling, you feeling kind of fresh from the festival, or are you... Um, yeah, I, f- <laughs> I, f- I feel all right. <laughs> I've had a fair amount of caffeine this morning. This so. is a morning podcast. Usually we record in the evening. I don't know if there's any difference. Yeah, I guess you guys can tell us yeah. if you think we're morning people <laughs> or not. definitely 90% more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that was a lot of fun. It was um, a festival called Boomtown, and they kind of build... A sort of town, I suppose you could call it, (laughs) It has different kind of areas. There's an area called Mayfair, which is where all the kind of fancy things are. There's like a ballroom and like a cabaret and a kind of bandstand that was really cool. And there's the Wild West section. Oh, cool. And there's like an old mine. It's all kind of, you know, it's like a sort of almost like theatre set kind Mm -hmm. of style. Um, Yeah. So I had a lot of fun, saw some friends and
1: danced to some fun music. What kind of music is it? Is there a certain genre?
0: uh i don't know
1: <laughs> i mainly <laughs> I it, <laughs> it ended my ear holes and i liked it
0: i did see an excellent band called caravan palace who were lots of fun um, that just sounds like
1: another area you're saying there's different right. of the town <laughs> where were you oh, i was at caravan palace
0: <laughs> i did think it was an area when i first heard of it but then i realized it was a band i saw goldie looking chain very briefly Oh, brilliant which was i don't know they, um, I guess, uh, um, is
1: anyone outside the UK gonna know who Goldie Looking Chain is? Maybe, maybe even people who don't remember this like highlight in the British uh, music industry. <laughs> they were kind of like a late naughty, middle mid-noughties band who kind of took fun of the rap scene, but they were very genuine in the way they did it. But it was a kind of almost like a parody band.
0: Yeah, and they're from Newport. Yes. Um, which is in Wales, and it's about an hour away from where I grew up in Swansea. And uh, so at this festival, they were doing kind of, when I say new, or when we say new, you say port, new, port. It was just, I was like, wow, I never thought all the times I went on a train through Newport, I never really thought of it as a place that would be kind of chanted about, (laughs) you know, so that was funny. Um, think... there was also a parade of some kind that happened and there were people dressed as birds.
1: <laughs> that sounds good. I feel like I should just highlight the one golden Looking Chain lyric, which would probably sum them up if people haven't heard of them. Okay. Which was their famous song, Guns Don't Kill Rap... No, Guns Don't Kill People, Rappers Do. Oh, yeah. And then the next line was, Calling the Police, Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> that's the actual... That's how you managed to make that line scan by adding, <laughs> adding noise at the end. <laughs> Yeah, so it was sort of like a
0: comedy rap group, Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm quite jealous you saw them, actually. It was really funny. It was sort of the last thing I did before I left. I was um, with my friends and, yeah, just watching this silly band. And then as we were leaving the festival, yeah, we saw the parade and there were all these people. It was sort of like some uh, fun drumming that was happening in the parade. And, yeah, people dressed as birds. That was good. And I was telling Sophie earlier that I have a T-shirt with my name on it in block capitals. It's a black T-shirt with my name on (laughs) in white uh, capitals that my dad had made for me about 10 years ago now. And I decided that a festival would be a good place to wear it. And I was right because everybody kept being like, hi, Lydia. (laughs) Even though I didn't know them, but they knew my name. Um, So I felt very popular and that was nice. Um, Although after a while I did, I sort of stopped listening to people calling my name. And then I almost just completely ignored quite a lot of my friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The perils of having your own name on a t-shirt. I know. So that was fun. And uh, how about you, Sophie? You've been doing fun things. I have. Well, funny enough, someone the other day on the Ravelry group, they said like, oh, you know, last year you talked about festivals and stuff you d- you guys had done. Can you, you know, what have you been up to this year? And we hadn't really, at the time, we haven't been up to anything. Mm. But we just kind of swapped places. Because last year I went to Glastonbury, you went to Secret Cinema. And then you can see where this is going. You went to a festival. I went to Secret Cinema. And what did you see? The Empire Strikes Back. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I have to say is I'm not really... I didn't think I was that much into Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, okay, Star Wars is pretty cool. I could probably enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And then I think even if you're in it, only a little bit into Star Wars, the whole... I think we've talked about Secret Sonoma before and saying, like, it's almost like an experience. It's like a almost like a set you're walking into. It's an immersive theatre thing, really, That's the it? phrase. There yeah. we go. Um, so, yeah, even if you only like a tiny bit, the whole, like, production and, like, characters and stuff behind it it just makes it the most incredible experience, and I must say, like I've suddenly became like a twelve-year-old kid, like oh my god, oh my god, it's so cool. <laughs> I don't want to give away too many spoilers. yeah no. but you do get to dress up, which is part of the fun anyway. <gasps> that you is have fun. You have to wear like a scarf to hide your identity because you're part of the Rebel Alliance. Um, yeah, the smoke machines. Always good. At some good. point, I'll just say lightsabers. Always good. Um, hey guess which film I haven't seen that we're talking about <laughs> Are you? Is you I going to start talking about Two Sons and you're going to be like uh huh
0: what how many yeah. children do you have total uh, disclosure I've never seen Star Wars wow. it's one of a many a very
1: long list of films that everyone's seen that I haven't seen but I think even if you went to this thing and you probably would feel a little bit out of your depth there'd be so much stuff that you'd kind of it's so iconic I feel that you'd kind of recognise stuff anyway even if you weren't I
0: think I would I've seen enough parodies on yeah. shows like The Simpsons yeah. and things <laughs> But you know what, when I went to see um, the Back to the Future
1: uh, secret cinema, yes. I hadn't actually seen Back to the Future, oh. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. Well, there we go. Was well, was great. That was good fun. I must, yeah. And my boyfriend who, you know, part of the reason I went, he was very excited and yeah, he geeked out a lot. As anyone but would, I think. Yeah. So I think they are on till the end of September. So if you're around, you can get tickets. I think any other, any secret cinema thing that's ever happening, I would pay any good money for it, whatever it is, because it really is something special. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Endorsement for... A little plug for Secret Cinema there. <laughs>
0: and uh, I would also highly recommend going to festivals for only 24 hours. There we go. It's the new uh, fast London lifestyle that we lead. <laughs> minimum uh, packing. Minimum requirements. <laughs> yeah. What was your packing list again? My packing list. So, um, right. So I knew that I was only going for one night. So all I took were kind of, um, you know, one spare set of socks and other necessary such items. Uh, Toothbrush, toothpaste. I took some sunglasses. I took 10 cans of lager, (laughs) which was Sophie's favourite part of the list.
1: (laughs) And a bottle of whiskey. You're like, I'm ready for
0: 24 hours. (laughs) And a cool t-shirt with my own name (laughs) on it. That's all you need. We've got tips for all of life. I know, well, because we had that top three like travel essentials. Yeah. I missed out on that um, essential box of Cronenberg. Um, <laughs> so, um, anyway, okay, let's do some talking about knitting.
1: What have you been knitting at the moment? Did you take any knitting to the festival? Was that part of your I did not. This? <laughs> I did not. Horribly sensible. I <laughs> thought I would be, I don't know, you just, I, everything I
0: took with me, I felt like I would have been prepared for it to get lost. Not that I'm a person who tends to lose things, but just, you know, you want to be careful or get muddy more yes. accurately. I don't think I was I didn't think I was gonna lose anything, but I thought I might ruin things. Very good. So, so. I took like my least favourite pair of fun earrings, for example. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't take any knitting. But um I am currently working on my garland jumper still. Nice from uh, vintage pom-pom now. Vintage issue, pom-pom. issue seven. Which is the lovely kind would, of what
1: one would call a classic pom pom. Un classique.
0: Yes. Um sort of mohair. Jumper, mm-hmm. and I have one sleeve to go, more or less. Very exciting. So that's almost done. I suppose I should do the neckline as well, but I almost don't see that as
1: as being like, you know, it's not a big hurdle. It's always when you are knitting a jumper, especially when it's top down, you're like, get to the body, you're like, oh this is never ending, and then you do one sleeve, you're like, oh, I'm almost finished. And then at the end of that sleeve, so you're like, oh wait, two sleeves and what? Oh, finishing. It's like oh, actually, I've got a lot to do. It's like second sleeve syndrome. Little, little talked about cousin of second sock syndrome. We're here to address these issues. If you have been affected by any of these things mentioned in the podcast,
0: don't hesitate to call our <laughs> hotline oh eight hundred. Uh, what would it be? bit S- sad. It's sad. <laughs> Um, but in, um, 0800 knit happy news, I finished my Greco. (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, which is exciting. And I've realised I'm obviously just on a crazy pink and grey spree at the moment because my Greco is pink and grey. Um, as was my Delita shawl Mm -hmm. and I'm making a pink garland.
1: You're just going through your phase, I guess. You know,
0: I do tend to have colour phases. So that's what's going on there. And I'm also, well, no, let's talk about
1: you, Sophie. Oh, thank you. (laughs) If we could, <laughs> um, still working on Kay's cardigan, which I started in the owl, which is from KnitBot, really mm-hmm. nice. Also getting onto the second sleeve syndrome, but actually it's yeah. going alright. I've done a lot of secret knitting, which I can't really talk about right now, like secret cinema. So yeah, exactly, tell no one. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll be talking about that in two months or so. I don't know. We'll well, get that's that. pretty cool. And that's not very interesting for you guys, just being like, here's a thing I've been doing that can't talk about. <laughs> but what I can talk about is the fact that I've been planning some, I don't know if I can say this word either, is it too soon? Christmas knitting. What? I know. <laughs> As in I bought yarn and thinking, I should make this for Christmas for someone. So What do you what what is it that you were thinking of? Making? Something actually I know that will be well well received. So my sister and she was like, Can you knit me a big red scarf? And I was like, Can I have some more details, like how long? And she's like, Big red scarf, that's all you need to know. I was like, I think I know what you, you mean. can't go wrong with a big You know what?
0: The first before I even started knitting. Yeah. Back in uh, uh Days of Yore. Days of Yore. Uh once upon a time, if you will, my friend made me a big red scarf. Yeah. And I loved that big red scarf. It was giant. It was just like a big garter stitch scarf. And it was absolutely massive. It was like, I don't know, meters and meters long. Oh, wow. And I took it to a friend's house um, to a party and somebody nicked it. Oh, a shame. It was so sad. And I was so, so sad about it. And actually, maybe that's what started me knitting. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I am currently trying to think about my holiday knitting because I'm going away oh, yeah, next that's week. Important. And more important. That's more relevant as well. More current. More Stick with the current thing, Sophie. Cheese <laughs> Louise. So um, basically, I just don't know what to take because I'll probably have finished Garland by then. So I was thinking I might make something from the new issue. Oh, very nice. Um, but you know, I feel the pressure now. I've got about five or six days to figure it out, make sure I've got the right yarn, maybe even do the swatching before I leave.
1: That's true. You think I'm going to take a project on holiday, but it's also you've got to be prepared. You know, do you need a different needle size? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you kind of start making a thing and then you change your mind. I feel there's a good podcast you could listen to where they actually talk about ideas for travel projects. Oh wait, that was us! <laughs> have you learned nothing?
0: <laughs> but either way, we're very impressed. Um, our new uh, knit-along slash crochet-along. Oh, we just up Move running. seamlessly
1: into news. So. Ne- ne- news. News has started now. Okay.
0: <laughs> so we're news. We have our new knit-along, of course, which is um, the autumn one. And as always, you can enter any project from any Pom Pom magazine or from the blog as long as you haven't entered it before into a previous knit along um, and it only opened like last week or something and there's already somebody has already finished the carousel and hat from the most recent issue which is the one which has lovely dala horses and that is made by uh, Lena Finn Lena Finn
1: and it's beautiful hers is very very pretty I felt like I was a by it you uh... just played there actually <laughs> <laughs> we pre-recorded that name Lena Finn well, well done yeah I'm super impressed it's obviously if, alright, I know we said we couldn't talk about Christmas. If you needed to do a project for someone for Christmas, she's obviously done it in like a week. Yeah, just over two well, a week and a bit. Super quick. We're so very congratulations, impressed. Lina yeah. We're very <laughs> impressed by you. Um, There are other
0: impressive people in the um autumn oh, of knit-along, of yes. course. But she, I think, at the moment, is the only person who's made something from the new issue that's in there. That's why we're um mentioning her specifically.
1: We wish we'd give you a shout-out to everyone. And we have, in our own way. This is it. all your names now. Yeah, going through, <laughs> going through our headphones, your headphones to you guys.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so join in there, and we will have fun prizes as always. Yeah. Um.
1: So you can find that on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. Other news: We've got the Great London Yarn Coral coming up, which I think we mentioned last podcast. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, do so now, and yeah, you'll be able to wander around Fair London Town, looking at various uh, knitting and craft and sewing and haberdashery shops. All the shops which have the good things.
0: <laughs> yes, and there's also a fun
1: marketplace, um, which
0: we will be at with magazines. Yes. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun. So if you are in London, come and check that out. We'll put links and things on the blog post that will accompany
1: this podcast, as we always do. Yeah. Show notes, if, if you, you will. Yeah, if you didn't know that, we always have show notes on a blog post on the Pom Pom website. So if you thought, what were they talking about? You can check it out. You can don't, you know, don't say we don't provide all the information. (laughs) Don't say we don't spend hours hyperlinking. (laughs) (laughs) So, moving on to reviews, we're reviewing Loops 10, uh, which is the anniversary book for Loop London. Now, some of you may know, if not, here's the shocker, I work at Loop, that's my day job. What? <laughs> so, not only do I have all the wolf facts, I have the book facts for you guys. Inside a scoop. Exactly. So, Lydia's going to ask me some questions about it.
0: I am. I mean, we were lucky enough to see a kind of sneak preview. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: We were. Which, But we'll get onto that later.
1: In the meantime, Sophie,
0: can you tell me uh, which dyers and designers are involved in this fabulous 10 year anniversary book I can,
1: so actually you're going to have to help me with this Mm because it's literally the list of who's who in the knitting world (laughs) at the moment Uh, people who have, yeah, all have a special connection to Loop or have been involved in the past 10 years Okay, so, you're listening, don't miss any of these guys, we've got Koigu, Madeline Tosh Daphion, Jade Sapphire, Olmeynon Quincy Kerr, Shalimar, Shilister, Viola and the Uncommon Thread, (gasps) designers we've got Juju Vale, Tiff Fossil, Stephen West Claire Montgomery, Rachel Atkinson Kirsten Kapoor. Gisolda Teague. Pam Allen. Donna Higgins. Paulina Populek. And Megan Fernandez. Our very own Megan Fernandez. Yes. So yeah, that's the list. Like, no one's been left out now. That's who you can expect from this book. Not only can you expect lots of exciting names, mm-hmm. but you can expect a very beautiful book. Am I right? You're right. So, uh, Kirsten Perez, who's been involved with... Or Perez, I think? Mm-hmm. Always... the Name pronunciation. I, <laughs> sorry, you got left with Paulina Populek as well. That's a hard one to pronounce. <laughs> Love Paulina. She's, She's great. great. Anyway... Uh, yes, so she did um, Juju's Loops, which mm-hmm. was Loops' last publication, and uh, several of the loop patterns. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll probably recognise her style from the various other knitting things that she's been photographing. And one
0: of the other things I liked about the book um, is that, of course, because it's kind of a, a distillation of of the kind of essence of loop over the last 10 years, yeah. and there are not only kind of patterns and in the, in the beautiful photography that you would expect. There's also kind of little stories and memories and I seem to remember there being a, a lovely piece uh, by Julie Arkell. Yeah,
1: definitely. So Julie Arkell, who is a folk artist who actually lives in Islington, so she's been like part of the shop as, you know, nearly as long as it's been going. Mm. And she has her little essay, which is The Wool Shop, and it's all about her thoughts on yarn and like the importance of like loop in her work and life. Um, yeah, it's, exactly. It's almost like a a little bit like a, a yearbook. We've got all these memories and photos of Loop over the past 10 years. But then, yeah, the essence of, I suppose, the, the celebration of this 10 years is the custom colours which have been done by the dyers. Of course. And all these uh, special exclusive patterns that are... Uh, yeah, so it's not only,
0: not only the patterns, but the beautiful custom colours. Not only were all the patterns designed specially for this uh, 10th anniversary book, but all the colours of the yarns that have been used have been dyed specially um, for Loop. Yep, you can see all of those in the book. You can, there's some beautiful, um, lots of lovely pinks, the kind of colours that you would associate with Loop, I suppose, lots of beautiful
1: pinks, and there's a speckly grey, I believe. Yeah, the Uncommon Thread did that one, with sort of like grey, with like, yeah, like a firework kind of sparkle in that. Mm. There's a Viola colour, yeah. which is pretty exciting, because Viola, um, we've mentioned on this podcast before, we love her yarn, and she's been working with John Arvin, but now... She's back in the day doing her own thing. She is. Um, Yeah, amazing others of Quince and Co. and Man and Tosh, as we said. We said everyone. We said all of them and they've all done the custom cuts. Yeah, we can't miss (laughs) anyone out because we've all sent you guys. (laughs) You're all equally fantastic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so
0: of all these lovely sort of uh, patterns that we have in this book, Sophie, what would be your favourites, do you think?
1: I'm pretty keen on the Stephen West
2: shawl, which is called Meandering.
1: Mm -hmm. bit of uh, brioche, as uh, Mr. Stephen... Mr Stephen West does like. I think I think Stephen West, yeah, he's sort of quite keen on brioche.
0: <laughs> he hasn't made up his mind yet, but I th- I feel like he um he certainly doesn't hate it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, knitting oh, jokes. Oh, oh, knitting in jokes. Um yes. I also love the uh ice cone, uh mitts by Usol Latigue. Uh, very kind of architectural, sculptural, uh mm. hand warmers, and no, they're done the old men art. They have sort of eyelet details. Yeah, yeah. Very pretty. Mm. What about you? What are you keen on?
0: Well, I find it very difficult to choose, of course. Um, I love Pam Allen's design, um, Celine, which is, of course, in Quince. Um, It's just like a lovely kind of, the kind of lovely simple shapes uh, that you'd expect from Pam Allen and from Mm -hmm. Quince with a bit of garter stitch. Um, So I'm pretty keen on that. And also I liked the whimsy garlands a lot, which are (laughs) um, the crochet pattern by Rachel Atkinson. Uh, just like pretty little kind of flowers, but whimsical yeah. flowers, if you will, <laughs> that you can make into garlands. Um, and also love Sprinkle. Yes. Um, adult Sprinkle, as it is, I suppose, because Sprinkle was, of course, a baby pattern from g Originally, yeah. And I noticed that there are optional pockets.
1: I know. Well, anything with optional pockets is optionally ten times better. Exactly. It sort of gets like an extra gold star from me and Sophie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, if you have never been to Loop, or even if you have, having this book is I suppose like a little little bit of Loop in a book.
0: It is, definitely. And and certainly if you haven't been to Loop and you get this book, it's going to make you want to go there.
1: Or at least do a lot of knitting, so (laughs) we're all about that. So on the subject of Loop, of course we have our fantastic interview with Mm -hmm. Susan Cropper. So we're learning a bit more about the book and a bit more about Loop more behind the scenes yeah, stories. More about
0: the, the 10 years that she spent building this lovely yarn shop. Not
1: literally the bricks, but the <laughs> community and... Um... I don't know, you'll have to listen to the interview and find out. Yeah, you know. find out more.
0: Um Yeah, so here she is coming up.
1: So it's a slightly overcast day in London, but we've uh, sheltered from the clouds in the cosy basement of Loop. We are here in the very shop interviewing the owner and founder, Susan, who joins us today. Hi, Susan. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Lydia. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Hello. (laughs) So, Loop's been going 10 years now, so we wanted to have a little interview with you to chat about Loop, and of course knitting, and all the wonderful yarns that you know and love. Yeah. (laughs) We'll start with our classic question,
2: which is, uh, when did you first learn to knit? I first learned to knit when I was either six or eight years old. Um, My nana had taught me. um, She was a real Brooklyn character. She was from Poland. And my mother didn't know how to knit or did, but didn't. she was of that generation that wanted to distance herself from anything that was perceived as womanly domestic crafts. And she went out to work and was proud of that. So it skipped, and my grandmother taught me, and alongside teaching me, numerous card games and had to play gin. So I learned when I was very young but I was so young that kind of inevitably I gave it up and then I came back to it on and off through my life. I, um, When I was at art school in New York in my 20s I was passing a really beautiful knitting shop that had just a huge glass window with a wall of Manos de Uruguay yarn mm-hmm. And I just stopped in my tracks and was just stunned and went in and immediately started knitting again. Kind of was seduced by the colours and the yarn and the textures. And I knit again for a couple of years when I stopped again. And then when I was in my 30s, I knit again when I had my children. And then kind of peed it off again and then went back to it big time in my 40s. Okay, so knitting has been in and out of your life for uh...
0: Well, for your whole life, it sounds like, um, but now it's very much in your life. Since, yeah. So uh, you've had Loop now for 10 years. Um, but we were wondering if you could tell us about what inspired you to open Loop.
2: When I started thinking about opening um, Loop, I had been an art director on magazines for, for over 20 years. Um, I was freelance while I raised my children. And um, I got back into knitting and I couldn't find any shop in London that reflected what was going on in the knitting community when I visited the States or Europe. I kept seeing more and more beautiful sort of hand-dyed artisan yarns and really gorgeous patterns and um, I also wanted for myself to start taking more advanced knitting classes and I couldn't find anything beyond beginners really at John Lewis and there was just nothing. Um, so I just started thinking hmm (laughs) maybe I should open a shop. Um, Also at the same time because of my work I was going around to a lot of graduate degree shows and design fairs and I kept seeing more and more very beautiful things made from textiles and so I sort of thought oh, it would be really beautiful to have just a small shop that had knitting supplies and haberdashery and also handmade things from people working in fiber arts under one roof and offer really great classes. Um, So it kind of, from when I thought of it to when it happened, was very quick. It really just took a year because I started looking around for spaces and um, someone that I knew that had a shop, Abigail Ahern, who was on Cross Street, had this beautiful little space and I went to speak to her just for ideas of where to look and she said well actually I'm moving um and this space will be available in three months <laughs> so it was sort of all systems go and I just somehow got it together and opened very quickly and here you are and here, here I am 10 years later <laughs> in a whole building
1: <laughs> so you yes. were describing how you felt there was weren't any shops reflecting the knitting scene at the time. Yeah. Um so how what would you how would you describe Loop if someone's never been? What makes
2: sets it apart from any of the knitting shops? To me it's sort of like a a gorgeous knitting yarn fair. <laughs> but housed in a really lovely space with fantastic staff like Sophie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and formerly Lydia <laughs> Um Because I I really just I'm passionate about yarn and, and fibre and um, there's loads of hand-dyed yarns, um, we're the European flagship shop for Quince and & Co and Brooklyn Tweed and a few times a year we get great deliveries of Woolmice which is really hard to find from Germany, um, it's a few levels and you can sit and look through patterns and books and sort of chill out a bit and meet other knitters and we have knit night every Thursday, which is really lovely, and there's quite a big group of people, and anyone's welcome to come to that.
1: I think, well, well, maybe I could say, one thing I found about Loop is that even, this is strange to say, because it is a place of work, and it, you know, it's work, not fun, but uh, it's always very calm, the shop, I feel, even when it's busy, there's always like a, I don't know, a nice kind of, everything's, everything's colour-coded and everything, It's that nice Feeling. Would you say that's the sense in that,
2: or I still walk in, like even this morning I walked in, no one was here, you know, it's early, and um, and I still kind of go, oh, this is my shop, yeah. like, it's so beautiful, um, and it does feel really calm, and it's we're lucky we're on Camden Passage, it's pedestrianised, it's just a lovely street to be on. Well, as we kind of
0: mentioned very briefly, Loop has been it, well, it is ten, yeah, it's been open for ten years now, um, and has been a great success, of course, in the meantime. And um, we were wondering
2: if you could tell us about some of the highlights over the last 10 years. The biggest highlight was opening yeah. on Cross <laughs> Street in that sweet little shop, which now when I drive past, I think, oh my God, how did we ever fit in that yeah. shop? <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a miracle, really. Um, but we did. Um uh, when I was asked to do two books by Ryland Peters and Small and um, Random House in the States, that mm. was very exciting. Because I think we'd only been open a couple of years and it was kind of a shock that, I, that loop was perceived as something that kind of curated beauty yeah. or was somehow, you know, p- plugged in to create a book, or so two books. And so that was very exciting. Um, when I did um, Juju's Loops with Juju Vale... That was incredibly exciting, um, very inspiring, fun projects, um, and that was self-published, so it was like kind of twice as much work, obviously. But when finally holding it in our hands, I just remember how unbelievably excited we were, and the response that it got mm. was phenomenal. Really, it was really lovely. And um, when we moved here to the current premises was probably the biggest highlight because it was a huge change, it was a bit of a risk because obviously, you know, a lot more expenses involved and we needed more staff and it was a bit of a leap of faith. Um, But it was such a fantastic building that I already sort of envisioned how it could be made gorgeous and fun and filled with tons and tons and tons of yarn. (laughs) Um, And the opening day was just amazing because the whole lead-up to it... It was really fun, and family came in, and there was a huge queue outside of, like, over 100 people, 150 people, and it was very emotional. Yeah, (laughs) It was very emotional. And Jemima popped in that day on opening day. Is that how she got her job. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and she said, oh, do you have a job? And Jemima, if you don't know, is um, our manager, and she's been here five years, and um, she's brilliant. And uh, so, yeah, that's probably those are probably the ones that stand out really and obviously doing this book to commemorate it because I've been really overwhelmed in a good way by the response that dyers and designers were so, you know, how enthusiastic they were to be involved with the project and create bespoke colours for the shop and, you know, from Quince and & Co and Madeline Tosh and Uncommon Thread and lots of others and, um... So that has been incredible, really. And it's at the printers now as we Very speak. And might be out by the time this. Yeah, is fingers podcast. crossed. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> what can people expect from the book then? Um, there's great patterns. There's 12 knitting patterns, uh, well, 11 knitting patterns, one crochet pattern um, done by people that have been involved one way or another with the shop over the years. So we're not going to ask you
1: what your favourite pattern is, because that's too mean. But what's going to be on your needles first, possibly?
2: I think I might do Sprinkle. Ah, excellent. Yeah, and there's a teeny bit of hesitancy in my voice, because I do not have a good track record with (laughs) finishing cardigans. (laughs) Um, But I think I will with this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of too perfect. A cardigan for yeah. me not to knit it. Um, it'll either be knit in Quince Co. Lark or I might go the Juju way and do it in Owl because I haven't knit anything in Owl yet and I keep navigating towards the shelves. It's so beautiful. On I've colors. navigated
1: that ship and I'm aboard. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's a good one.
0: <laughs> so um, you mentioned that you used to work as an art director before. Before you started Loop, and I was wondering in what ways you felt that kind of led into your designing of the shop and running of the shop, and in what way? I mean, you have a very clear aesthetic, and so Mm. I'd be interested to know how you feel those two different parts of your lives are kind of
2: linked. Um, I I think they both come from a thread that's always been there because Mm. when I was very young, my mother um, was studying interior design. So our whole New York apartment was filled. She's a little bit of a hoarder, and it was just filled with mood boards. Um, she used to drag me around the D&D building, the Design and Decorative Building in New York, which is where there's loads of fabric companies, flooring companies, furniture companies, to the trade, and she'd go around getting swatches, basically. So I kind of grew up with these fibers and materials and colors all around me. And she also did weaving for a while, and she would hand dye some of her jute yarns, and they'd be hanging in the bathroom. And so I kind of feel like it's that whole aesthetic or love of fiber and color seeped into me through osmosis, Mm. and it's just always been there. And whether I brought that to um, the work I did as this art director, um, graphic designer, stylist. Whatever I've done, I think I've just brought that part of myself to, so that when I opened Loop, it was a very visual idea I had. It was coming from a passion for, for the craft, really, mm. um, and the genuine enthusiasm and love of, of it. Growing up in New York hugely influenced me. Um, I was a total city kid. Um, I used to go to sleepaway camp in the summers and that was amazing because I was like, wow, trees, yeah. <laughs> you know, other than Central Park. Yeah. And, um, but the great thing about New York, especially back then, because um, it was much more economic, economically diverse mm. and, it was, you know, real easier to have a mix of people, and not as expensive as it is now, um, you know, we'd go to art museums almost every weekend um, so I was exposed to tons of culture um then, and my dad was an amazing reader. Um, so there was sort of a, it was a, sort of a household that was very much where culture, art, books, writing, ideas were really important, mm. which um could have happened somewhere else. It's just that that kind of life was much easier in somewhere like. You know, Brooklyn, where you, or Queens, where you take 15, 20 minutes, you're in the city with the most amazing art museums in the world. So I'm not sure if that answers it, but I just think that it's all part of the same thing, which is just somehow internalized in me, and I kind of bring those things out to what I do. Mm. Um, visual things affect me emotionally. Mm. Yeah. Um, whether it's being moved by a, an image or... And getting ideas from looking at images, if they're on Pinterest or in art books or museums or Instagram, Mm -hmm. things can sort of spark ideas um, that get me really excited um, and sort of lead to things happening sometimes, whether it's collaborating with a designer, saying "Mm, like, here's a little mood thing and this is the feel I would love, or when it comes to shooting stuff that's very very important to me
1: so over these 10 years you've been involved in the knitting world and even before that what are the what are the biggest changes you've seen in the industry or
2: in... the hugest change is the internet oh
1: yeah that <laughs> no. old thing
2: yeah it's um sites like Ravelry mm-hmm. have just been huge game changers in great ways mostly you know in lots of ways but Also very positive. It's amazing that you can just think about knitting a pattern and look it up and see all the variations and yarns and, you know, errata, anything that people have come across. Um, And just social media in general. Mm. Um, Instagram is amazing. Pinterest. um, I've found people that make beautiful things on Pinterest and we have them in the shop now. Um, It's brought the whole world closer together, obviously, Mm. in a million ways, but Certainly, that's affected the knitting community because it's yeah. gone from your little knitting community—you know, if you might have a few friends that knit or into craft—to this, you know, millions yeah. out there, which is really lovely. Um, and it's also um, there's just also been a boom. There's so many more dyers now mm. than when I first opened yeah. Loop. Yeah, you know, um, there was sort of. Maybe five yarns, six yarns that I was dying to get for the shop before I opened. Yeah. Um, I got them, but now, you know, we might have fifty different yarns, and yeah. I still wish I had room now for another
1: twenty you try or something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's no more room, yeah. and I'm not moving again. <laughs> so I think it's all just exploded, really, and in amazing ways in yeah. terms of designers um, and designers being able to make a living. Yeah, from from what they do best and what they're really talented at. Um, You know, they can give up their day jobs and just design, um, which is phenomenal, really. It's really nice. So we have um, a question that we ask everybody. No exceptions. one I've been (laughs) waiting (laughs) for.
0: The best question, which is, um, what is your
2: spirit animal and why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I had to choose one, it would be a timber wolf, an American grey wolf because um, they're That's so cool yeah. <laughs> they're so beautiful they remind me of big versions of Cosmo my cat, he's yeah. a Siberian cat and he's grey and big <laughs> um, they're from America and family is very important to them um, as it is to me excellent, very fitting, very good
1: <laughs> so if you want to keep up to date with Loop and what's happening with the book and anything else where should they go?
2: Um, on our blog uh, which we Update weekly, and it's the best place, really. Um, Sophie does it. Hey. Uh, hey. You do a very good job. <laughs> we have interviews with people. We let you know if there's new free patterns on the blog, what's new in the shop. Um, so that's loopknitlounge.com um, on Instagram. Very good, yeah. Yeah, you do um, love Instagram. <laughs> I do love Instagram, yeah. And on Instagram, where Loop London loves. Um, we're on Ravelry uh, obviously um, and that's Loop London we've got a group there um, and I think there's already little threads popping up on Ravelry about the book oh, very exciting which is very exciting them, considering yeah. it hasn't even been published yet mm, yeah. which is <laughs> very exciting and yeah.
0: of course we'll post links to, to those on our blog post so people can I'm sure they'll be able to find things based yeah. on that but just <laughs> yeah. in case yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll have links as well Okay, great. So, um, I think it just remains to say thank you, Susan. Oh, thank you both <laughs> yeah, so much. Nice for you. putting the, the time aside for us cuz I know it's been a very busy time for you with the with the
2: book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're also redesigning our website. So, Oh, that's wow. yeah. Look out for that in early October. Yeah. Oh, it's all go. Yeah. yeah it's all go, go go. <laughs> thank you both so much. Oh, oh it's been thanks, a pleasure. Bye. Okay. Bye, Susan. I'm so proud of oh, you. <laughs> wow.
1: Thanks again to Susan Cropper for uh, being a lovely interviewee and also thanks to her for letting us use Loop as the space. Very genuine to have an interview in the place that we're interviewing about. I know, right? So many layers. (laughs) Yes, thanks again to Susan for taking time out when she's
0: especially super busy with the book and everything. Very pleased to have her on. Um, So now we can uh, move on to one of our regular features. Well, one of. Another, another one of our regular features. One of
1: my favourites. I'm sure you'll say it's my, your favourite too. Oh, I would always say it's my favourite, Sophie. Are these are new fun voices. Yeah, I was being a radio presenter. <laughs> from, from now on. From the 90s.
0: And now I think it's time to move on to uh, one of our regular and some might say most popular features it's Ravelry Realness.
1: <laughs> Ravelry Realness is basically where we browse Ravelry so you guys don't have to. We bring you the, the cream of the crop from those hot picks mm-hmm. and the theme we've gone for this week is back to school knits, because well i mean people are going to be going back to school at some point if, in september if you are one of those people who has to go back to school eli our producer will be going back to school in september he will um and i always think even though i don't go to school anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> as you might have guessed
0: um i mean i'm childish but i'm not that bad um <laughs> I still feel like September has a back-to-school kind of feeling. It does, yeah. Because... I would say Eli works in a school. He's not actually a child. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> He's a very, very talented child. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of, you know, when the summer starts to wind down a little bit and you're kind of getting back to, I don't know, because it kind of feels like a time to get a bit more like serious again. And I can't tell if that's just because, you know, when you've been to school for at least i mean i guess i was at school for more than half my life so far yeah it's just like ingrained into you that in kind of around september you start to buy new stationery and make sure you have sensible like shoes ready your socks are darned socks are all darned exactly and you've got to make sure that you've got like a um a sensible not just sensible shoes but maybe like
1: rucksack. a rucksack exactly yeah, exactly. And also, September's when my birthday is, so I always feel it's a very important time of the year where everything is new because I'm starting a new year. That's just a side note if you want to remember my birthdays. <laughs> you can send things to Sophie Scott. Yeah! <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, I'm not getting unduly excited about my birthday already. Okay, come back.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so back to school knits is the uh, theme that we've gone for this time and if you are listening to this podcast um if you're one of our super duper fans who listen as soon as the podcast comes out then you will be able to enter well (laughs) you'll be able to enter um one of our instagram giveaways um, over the bank holiday weekend here at the end of august so you can check out our um, website for more details on that it's Mm -hmm. also back to school themed so uh quick while you're listening to this podcast start browsing and looking at that because there'll be some super exciting prizes up for grabs oh yeah I'm gonna check it out straight away <laughs> but back to the actual realness that is Ravelry
1: so what have you gone because I felt back to school nits that's kind of a broad topic what are you sort of thinking within these
0: well I was thinking I mean I thought hockey socks. nice Did but you I feel play like
1: hockey as a child
0: uh I had hockey socks. <laughs> I feel like we need to tell because Megan didn't know what hockey socks were. What? I think they're a British thing.
1: Oh, are you thinking... I suppose Americans might think ice hockey.
0: No? I don't
1: know. Basically, hockey socks
0: are just knee-high socks, more or less. And they often have... I mean, how do you imagine them? I imagine them being, like... They have stripes. Two quite big stripes at the top.
1: Well, for me, I think of a very particular, specific thing because I went to a school which had ridiculous amounts of uniform for PE. Like, you Mm. had set outfits. You had to... Oh, God. Going into the fun of school... (laughs) you had to wear a particular combination of things from your PE kit for hockey. So these were knee high sax blue socks and you had to bring along a pair of shoelaces so you could tie them around your knees and then fold over the oh, top. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you could keep them up. And if you had saggy ha- hockey socks, then <laughs> woe betide you guys. <laughs> so that's exactly what I think of hockey socks. And I think of also being freezing and covered in mud and grass. So uh, <laughs> that was a side note of hating PE. Delightful <laughs> memories. Um, and in my mind,
0: hockey socks are green because that's the colour that they were at my school. Oh, well, there we go, there we go, memories.
1: But I'm going down a school memory lane at the moment. <laughs> aren't
0: and I also thought um, of pencil cases. Yes, I do love good pencil cases. Exactly, and we did find
1: a really exciting pencil case, didn't we? And it's shaped like a pencil. <laughs> We always end up like whoa this is really metaphysical and we end up talking about making our packers from our packer and pencil cases for your pencils but i love that kind of stuff it's super fun so it's called pencil
0: case <laughs> usefully and by katie startsman mm-hmm. and yeah it's a kind of it's and it's tube shaped it's very exciting you must you must you simply must look it up
1: I yeah uh, also like there's a sushi roll case so it's a pencil case shaped like a sushi roll but Lydia didn't like this for some reason. I thought it was great. <laughs> so that's my top pick. And that's by uh, Hayley Spencer. So, yeah, okay. What do you not like about it? I don't know. Was I it, just... Was it just I don't too like real. sushi that much.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Anyway, so I also found um, in the pencil theme uh, some socks that look like pencils. These are brilliant. They're called Number Two Pencil Socks
1: by The Yarn Enabler. Oh, well, she's enabled me. <laughs> she certainly has. So the cuff is like your pink uh, classic, you think your yellow classic uh, pencil. Mm-hmm. The top of the cuff is pink, like the rubber. Mm-hmm. Or a razor, as uh, people across the continent will say. Mm-hmm. The Continent? Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> across the pond. Uh, and then the very tip, your toe, will be the, the lead. And then you mm-hmm. the pencil, like, wood bit. Yeah. They're delightful. So, and I like the fact that it's got like a rib in the. So you've almost got like the angle of the hexagon that would go around. There's a lot of tension to detail with these, which is why we love them. Yeah. So we know the you guys will too.
0: Top pick. I also, um, in a sort of sporty sock theme, yeah. there's some uh, socks called Sporty Striped Peds that are from the Pearl Soho blog, the Pearl B. Yeah. And they're very cute. And they um, look like your kind of classic, like trainer sock, I suppose. Okay. Or sneaker sock. Since we're doing.
1: A, it's a lot of like details of socks that I never thought I to discuss so intimately. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Well, you know,
0: this is our job now, Sophie, so get used to it. Um, and there's also, of course, the lovely um, little pouch um, called Azulejo, which was from our summer issue, the crochet, tapestry crochet by mm-hmm. Judith Brand, and that could quite easily be used as a pencil case, notions case, if you will. <laughs> keeping
1: all your ideas in and of course you need a tie for your back to school you do the pom-pom free pattern mm-hmm. rye rye tie, rye, rye tie. <laughs>
0: those rye yes and uh 17 seeds i believe yes um so yes that's our back to school recommendations i was looking for a good kind of cricket
1: jumper or something as well i thought that might it's all getting a bit sporty also, like, incredibly jolly... Well, I was going to say the phrase jolly hockey sticks, if that... But does that make sense to does Americans? if they don't have Jolly hockey sticks. If you just imagine, I don't know, famous five... Mallory like, Towers. ...romping around somewhere.
0: <laughs> but we were also looking up other sort of g- general school-themed things when we were doing our research. We searched for apples, and it turns out that there are a lot of apple
1: cozies that you can make. Yeah, okay, the apple... The idea was, was like, apples, because you give your teacher an apple. Mm-hmm. But if you... You know, if you're giving your teacher an apple... You don't want it to get bumped in your bag no. by your geometry textbook or a protractor or yeah. anything. Yeah, that could get that could get sticky. Yeah. So you want to make yourself an apple cozy to make sure your apple is protected. <laughs> um, so we'll just sort of alert you to the existence of those. If people didn't know and they're like, what, there's another way? Oh my God. And they're like taking the bubble wrap off that apple. Like, don't worry, I'll make you something. Like that highly useful invention of a case for your banana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is shaped exactly like a banana. <laughs> I actually moved into a house once where the girl had one of those. And I was like, oh, I've got one of these. I was like, don't worry, we're going to be good friends. <laughs> so I was new to the house. Anyway. And oh, I also
0: found some fun bookmarks. Um, are there any other kinds? N- well, no, obviously. What were they like then? They are shaped like music notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have had them saved in my Ravelry queue for a long time because I want to make them for my great aunt who taught me to play the piano. Oh, and is quite a thing. musical lady and uh, they're crocheted they're called 23 notes bookmarks by little owl's hut
1: Aww. and there's
0: very pretty pictures of them kind of on a uh, on a musical s- on a stave very good um good terminology yes well. she taught you. you well she did that's why she'll get a bookmark one day
1: all right <laughs> so that's our ravelry realness because uh, ravelry is what fundamental, fundamental. is our top three where we pick top three things on a theme now this theme we had a lot of hot debate as always about uh how to find the the define the terms the parameters the parameters parameters of this so within the world of the internet, there is netflix Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before because what better way to spend your evening sometimes than uh Watching Netflix and knitting. If you're not doing exciting Londony-based or around the world world-based things, mm-hmm. jet setting. Sometimes you just need to calm down a little bit of a good series and some knitting.
0: Yes, and we have dubbed this activity Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> which we think sums up yeah. uh, the experience for everybody involved.
1: So we have gone for top three Netflix. But within you, you kept saying, oh, I wish so-and-so was on Netflix. I wish so-and-so was that. So have you gone for things which are outside the parameters of Netflix? I have not. Okay. I've stuck to it. You have stuck to it. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I think there could be some good recommendations for people listening. And I hope that we do get some good recommendations from the outside world of things that we're missing out on. We would
0: like that very much. So I
1: think you should start. What have you been up to? I'm starting the podcast again. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should start. (laughs) All right, so um, there is a lot of stuff on Netflix. A lot of it was terrible, but uh, I shouldn't start like that. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of stuff on there, isn't there? Not all of it's going to be to your taste. True. All right, so this is uh, just if you like our humour, maybe you'll like these stuff as well. All right, number three is a uh, cartoon called Archer. Which, if you like Family Guy, I think you'd like Archer, because the humour of it, it's very funny, but the humour can sometimes be a little, ooh, close to the bone. I think I've seen a couple of episodes of Archer. Did you find it close to your bones? I, <laughs> yes, no,
0: I already watched a few episodes, and I, I... Um, it didn't grab me. No? I'm also not massively a Family Guy fan, so I'm going to take uh, this Okay, well, there we go. We'll Lydia we go. Won't, wouldn't like this situation.
1: Yeah, it's about a, a spy called Archer and his, his working for this, like, spy agency. And, yeah, the episodes are only 20 minutes long, which I think is quite nice to just like, oh, I just watch one. Like, oh, maybe I could watch another one because there's only 20 minutes and then your day is gone. <laughs> That's always the problem. It's broken down into 20-minute chunks. <laughs> so, yeah, if you... Like humour to be a little—I uh, don't say I like humour to be rude, but sometimes you can get away with things that are rude if they're funny. Yes, that was one of my mum's phrases when she's like, "Well, if it's funny, it's all right if it's a little bit rude." Okay. So I could. So definitely- Sophie's mum says it's okay. <laughs> yeah, my mum says it's all right. <laughs> my mum said I could watch it. <laughs> so try a bit of Archer. Why not? Number two, I'd go for the American Office. Good choice. Good choice. Strong choice from. Strong l- choice. Support from Lydia. Yep. Uh, the American office actually started life as the English office, or as it's known, the office. <laughs> uh but there's only two series of that. But something to, I think there's something to be said for the uh the American TV industry that they made it like nine series. Yeah. So yeah. you got you got money's worth there. Certainly. You get I and mean, I think within that you get a more development of the characters. I think that's safe to say. No, true. It's well, it's good. We both went through a very long phase of watching that. Wow. It was true love. True love. Well, if you've watched it, you know the true love between uh, two main characters, Pam and Jim. <gasps> don't give oh, away too much. I can't give away too
0: <laughs> Yeah, and what I would say, especially for people who've seen The British Office, mm-hmm. is if you don't like the first season of The American Office, push through.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> push through. Sorry, go on. Disclaimer. All right, okay. Number one mm. um, would have to be the reality TV series. RuPaul's Drag Race. I knew you were going to choose that. <laughs> it's no surprise to anyone who works or lives with me that I really enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> so if you've it's ne- only like your favourite TV show ever. Oh my god. Uh, if you've never watched this, the premise is basically, I think they actually, this is their tagline, which is like, one part America's Next Top Model, two parts fabulous. <laughs> so it's a reality TV show and I think I was put off of it for many years. Years because I thought, I don't really like reality TV. Mm. And it is that premise of like, it's a competition, here's 10 people or whatever, they're competing to be America's next drag race superstar. But within that, I think there's a whole, because these people are drag queens and the whole thing of the illusion of being a woman, there's these big people, these big people who are characters, you know, Mm. entertainers. And I think that's one of the things that works so well in this show is because. It's a very entertaining thing to watch. These people are performers, they are comedians, they're singers, they're dancers. Uh, it's hosted by a guy called RuPaul, who was big in the 90s, like a big, like, drag super model of the world. Mm-hmm. Also in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You might have found he's been in your childhood already, as I suddenly found out he had been. Um, so within that, yeah, it's just a really fun, silly show where people have, they have all the challenges. Um yeah, the fact that there's all these people that you end up kind of loving and then also loving to hate because they're so exaggerated, such exaggerated human beings and characters. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons I love it. And then also within that, there's this kind of backstory because a lot of people come from, you know, a lot of the people in the show are gay. And I think that's not the main thing of the show, but I think it's important as a show to kind of highlight this kind of side of society that maybe people wouldn't know about and then become more accepting of. I read an article, I can't remember it was, where it's saying like it is important for America where, and especially a lot of the series were recorded when marriage, gay marriage wasn't legal mm. and that was touched on in the show and then sort of opens people up to this whole other society and hey it's okay and you can be fabulous and be a drag queen or you don't have to be. I, I really love the, the show, <laughs> I know that was my like soapbox moment to explain why <laughs> the show is so fantastic. I still haven't um, watched That's it. That's all right. When you do, I hope you realise how fabulous it truly is. And I'm sure I will. So you learn more about the human... Well, my mum said, I learned more about the human condition than I ever had in my years of social work. There we go. I think that was Sophie's jo- mum approves <laughs> again. <laughs> I think that was a joke, but I think she was also genuine. <laughs> mm. So try so, that out, you know. Okay. That's all I have to say about drag queens <laughs> for the moment. So my top three,
0: um, I, I was annoyed because... Well, I'm annoyed in general that the X-files is not on Netflix. Yeah, because if the X-files was on Netflix, then my life would be complete. So. Rumpity bumpity bumpity bump. rumpity da 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 da. No, OK, so um, if the people who do Netflix are listening right now, I'd just like to say it <laughs> might be that, that you could everywhere. improve my life if you just put X-files on Netflix. Anyway, thank you. OK. So number three: um, I have chosen our favorite cartoon. Because it now has <gasps> Oh my three god I, believe, I forgot, I forgot on, that and the, and I wonder if anybody already knows what we're talking about.
1: I'd change Archer for that actually. Screw Archer. Adventure
0: time. Yeah, I'm Adventure Time.
1: I'm over Archer. Whatever. Don't watch
0: that. Watch Adventure Time guys. Guys, watch Adventure Time. It is a cartoon about um, a human called Finn and a dog called Jake. And a sort of whole cast of characters that live in the Candy Kingdom. And if this is all sounding a bit like something that very small children watch, it is. They do. And they love it. <laughs> and because little kid, they know, you know, they, they know, know oh, how to is. have fun. Yeah. And uh, Adventure Time is one of those cartoons in the vein of sort of Spongebob, I guess. Yeah, where I don't like Spongebob. I know, but it's a cartoon that is watched by people of all ages, I suppose. Apart from Sophie doesn't like Spongebob. No, I like Spongebob. What's problem with
1: Spongebob?
0: Spongebob, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was so much time... love
1: and then it got really angry, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Adventure Time um, is fun for all the family. I think, yeah, we've mentioned
1: it before. I think that's all we can say, how great and silly it is. It's brilliant. And I also have, I've got, um, I think it has excellent gender roles in it. That's true. Let's get back onto the, we're talking about the, the theory and the symbolism, not even symbolism, what do I mean, the ethos behind RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Within that, uh, yeah, Adventure Time, there's a character who does not identify with either, this isn't like the theme of Adventure Time, but it's interesting no. to have in that a character that doesn't identify as a exact gender. gender.
0: Yeah. And there's also, you know, one of the main characters is Princess Bubblegum, who is pink, but also like a badass scientist. True. Um, who is kind of in charge of the Candy Kingdom. hmm Um, Yeah, I think it's, uh, and and it also, I like the way they have um, kind of their exclamations for positive things are all like maths related. So it will be like, that's mathematical or algebraic and all this kind of stuff, which is just such a fun, I don't know, it just seems like such a good idea to make sort of much maligned subjects
1: like maths kind of sound fun and interesting. And it does have the best piece of advice, which I've tried to stick to, which is, yes, Sucking at something is the first step to be ki- becoming kind of good at something.
0: Exactly. There are a lot of very good philosophical messages in Adventure Time. Which works for knitting as well. So it does. That, guys. And when I, if, you know, the few times I've taught people to knit, you know, I've used that phrase. And then when they get it right, you're like, algebraic. Exactly. Exactly. What the math? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that comes highly recommended. Uh, number two for me is Orange is the New Black.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Which I kind of wish, like, because the third season only came out a month or two ago. Yeah. And I watched all of it in, like, the space of a weekend. And now I feel <laughs> I a bit I don't think sad. you are alone in that. <laughs> it's a little bit like when you sort of buy yourself, like, fun snacks, like, maybe a multi-pack of Pickled Onion Monster Munch, for example. <laughs> this is just... I'm just pulling this example. It's not, not something that I've ever done. <laughs> but say, for example, that you buy yourself this multi-pack and you think, this is, like, a sensible investment because I will eat one packet a day for six days and then what actually happens is you eat five packets and burn your mouth somehow on the vinegar that's on the crisps so but then you feel bad and sad about yourself so this is what happened to me with horrid new block i watched all of it in a couple of days and then i was like oh i really should have like delayed that gratification it know? took me
1: a week and i thought that was spinning it out but then as my boyfriend pointed out that was at least two episodes a day and i was like oh gosh yeah it was um, But still and it's got i i like the theme tune a lot as well Regina
0: Spectre, it's a good thing special yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, it's actually a Netflix exclusivo, yeah. so you can only watch it if you have Netflix. So I don't know. I'm sorry if that excludes some people. Um, but I, it's actually why I got Netflix was so that I could finish watching the first season of Orages or
1: Um,
0: okay. And then at number one, I have The American Office. Oh, it's a classic. Because it's a classic. And there are so, it's so, there's so much of it that you can just kind of watch the odd episode. Um, you know, for example, if you're doing some knitting, yeah, <laughs> you I want think, something to amuse you. Do you have a favourite episode from there? Uh, I like the one when they go on some kind of beach trip mm-hmm. and Kevin says something along the lines of, like, all I've ever wanted to do is eat hot dogs or something like this. and, and Sit or... on the beach and eat hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I like, but I think, to be honest, the the finale, I know that it's not really, like, it's probably not necessarily, like, the best episode in mm-hmm. terms of, kind of, quick jokes yeah um but there's all the feels exactly there's all the feels and um i watched the finale with my friend we watched it together and we had lots of snacks and it was just like the best hour of television it's worth spending so much of your time watching all of the nine seasons so that you can get to the end and watch that last episode and just it's just really brilliant brilliant tv so those are our recommendations for netflix and we would be super excited to have your recommendations for us since I have now finished another season, I watched all of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt.
1: Oh, that's also good. Which is also really good. And I've just started watching Gossip Girl because I've gone back in time, apparently. <laughs> There's only so many times I can watch series four of RuPaul again and again. Right. Which I will do, I'm sure. I wanted to, I almost started watching Buffy the Vampire today from the beginning because that's all I, on oh, there now. Oh, why did I forget? Bu- okay, well, I think this is another tale for another time that we can maybe, a deep, uh, rich scene we can keep mining. Yes but depends what you guys, if you guys are like, no, we don't use Netflix, we prefer wholesome reading of books. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do another book one.
0: <laughs> books take two. <laughs> um, okay, well that was our top three and that was this podcast. <laughs> we hope you liked it.
1: That was it. That was your podcast, guys. <laughs>
0: We're just going to wrap things up now. Um, so thanks again, of course, to Susan for being our interviewee mm-hmm.
1: and thanks to you guys for listening. We love you. Bye. Pom, 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 pom,
2: pom.
0: PomCast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the music for this show. For more Eli-related music, you can go to GoodGirlAndTheBadTimes.com. Big thanks, as always, to Megan, the co-founder and editor of Pompong, and to our interviewee, Susan Cropper of Loop London, who also sponsored this podcast. Thanks, Susan. And, of course, we would like to say a big thank you to all you PomPom Pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group.